0: N.P.R.
1: Back in the mid-2000s, Charles and Kathleen Moore decided to invest in a business. Now, they live in Washington state, but they had this friend who wanted to start a business in India, a company that would provide low-income farmers with farming equipment. Here they are talking about it in a video for a libertarian think tank called the Competitive Enterprise Institute.
0: We were really excited to be part of this company that was growing and reaching more and more people all over India.
2: They invested $40,000, which gave them an 11% ownership stake in the company.
3: It's like, wow, we are making a difference here to Indian farming.
2: As the company grew, its profits were reinvested in the business, And the Moors say they weren't paid anything. That's why they were surprised when, in 2018, they got a bill from the IRS for $15,000 in income taxes.
3: If you haven't received any income, how can you be required to pay income taxes?
2: The Moors paid the bill, but they also sued the U.S. government and took the case all the way to the Supreme Court. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Waylon Wong.
1: And I'm Adrian Ma. In a few days, the Supreme Court will hear arguments in Moore versus the United States. And tax
3: law experts think this case could be big. This is perhaps the biggest constitutional tax case that we've seen arguably in about 100 years and could have really big implications for how the income tax actually works. And it raises a
1: fundamental question. What's the difference between having income and having wealth? How the court answers this question could affect taxpayers, the federal budget, and even wealth inequality in the U.S.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor American Express. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This advertisement comes from our paid sponsor, Fundrise. High interest rates mean that real estate assets are available at a discount compared to previous valuations. The Fundrise flagship fund plans to expand its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. Add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio at fundrise.com indicator. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the fund before investing. Read the prospectus at fundrise.com/slash flagship.
1: What is income anyway? This seemingly simple question is at the heart
3: of the Moore's lawsuit against the US government. Well, the issue at in this case is whether the federal government can tax income that has not yet been realized.
1: That that word realized What does that mean? What does it mean to
3: realize income? Well, that in some ways is actually the big question in this case.
2: That, by the way, is John Brooks. He's a professor at Fordham Law School who specializes in tax law.
1: It's just occurring to me that realize is like a really funny word because I just imagine someone realizing like, oh, I have income.
3: Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I mean, really, in, in a literal sense, it just means to make real. And, and for most of people, most of the time, it really is just a cash concept. You get your paycheck. That's when you have income. You sell some stock. That's when you have income. You get a dividend. You get interest in your bank account, whatever it is. It's like once you get paid the thing, that's when you have income.
2: This idea that income has to be realized before it can be taxed has been around for a long time. In fact, it goes back to a Supreme Court case called Eisner versus McComber. This is one of the OG Supreme Court tax law cases.
1: Yeah, it's like the... Godfather One of tax law cases.
2: Ooh, I like it. I like it.
1: Did they call it Godfather One or is it just called the Godfather? No, they
2: just call it the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really
1: not a movie buff. But, uh, <laughs> you know, suffice to say, this case was a big deal because it was decided in 1920, which was just a few years after Congress ratified the 16th Amendment to the Constitution. That's the amendment
3: that says the government has the power to collect income taxes.
2: I bet people love that one.
3: And in that case, the court seemed to say, although it's disputed, but the court seemed to say that in the case of income from property or from a corporation, that income needs to be realized in order for it to be treated as as actually as income.
2: Jump forward about a century later to today, and that is essentially what the Moors are arguing in their case. They say, sure, we invested in this company that grew over time and became more valuable, but we never received any income.
1: Ergo, vis-a-vis, <laughs> propter hawk, we don't know taxes.
2: So why then, in 2018, did the IRS hit them with a $15,000 tax bill?
1: Well, the year before, in 2017, Congress had passed a new law called the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. That was this big tax reform bill passed by Republicans, which made a lot of changes to the U.S. tax code, including cutting corporate taxes. But cutting those taxes also meant less revenue coming to the government. And so to make up some of that expected shortfall, lawmakers passed a one-time tax called the Mandatory Repatriation Tax. Just rolls off the tongue, I know. But (laughs) basically it was aimed at companies like Apple and Amazon, companies who for many years managed to avoid paying a lot of taxes to Uncle Sam by funneling a lot of their profits into overseas subsidiaries.
2: So the mandatory repatriation tax essentially said we're going to treat those overseas profits as if you had transferred that money back to the states. Oh, and we will tax them, too. Mm -hmm. And that is how the Moors ended up with this $15,000 tax bill.
3: This mandatory repatriation tax says, "Okay, well, you, the Moors, now have to include in your income for tax purposes those retained earnings that are still sitting in India
2: the Moors argue that the government is essentially trying to hit them with an unconstitutional wealth tax. And this is arguably the reason why this case could be one of the biggest tax law cases in a century.
4: This
3: is not really just about the Moors and their investment in their friend's Indian company. This is about Jeff Bezos. This is about Mark Zuckerberg, right? This is about Elon Musk, right? This is about people who have accumulated enormous amounts of wealth through the increase in the value of their property without, in a technical sense, having any taxable income.
2: In recent years, Democrats in Congress and President Biden have proposed wealth taxes on the very rich. But if the Moors prevail the Supreme Court, the justices could decide that wealth taxes are prohibited by the Constitution.
1: Now, John Brooks has actually submitted a brief in the case arguing that the Moors' legal arguments are wrong. And and practically, he believes that a win for the Moors would be sort of chaotic. A wave of litigation would happen from all sorts of companies who might say, well, if the Moors don't have to pay taxes on quote-unquote unrealized income, then neither should we. Some tax experts, like Eric Jensen, on the other hand, take a different view. Eric also submitted a brief in this case, but he is siding with the Moors on
4: this. I think the court should say something to the effect. Realization does matter.
2: Eric is a professor emeritus at Case Western Reserve University. He says, first, look at the language of the 16th Amendment. That's the one that gave the government the power to tax individual incomes. It says it can tax those incomes from whatever source derived.
4: Well, I think that means that that there has to be some real event that takes place, and if nothing has been derived, nothing is was distributed to the moors. They didn't sell their shares. Then we simply don't have income within the meaning of the Sixteenth Amendment.
2: Eric also says the Supreme Court's OG tax law case Eisner versus McComber, is still good law,
4: although that the scope of that case has been cut back uh, dramatically over the years. It has never been overturned.
2: And
1: finally, in response to concerns by folks like John, who say that a victory for the Moors could actually mean a whole wave of tax litigation, Eric says so be it.
4: If there are serious constitutional problems with some provisions in the Internal Revenue Code, I think those problems should be addressed. Yeah, there will be dislocations uh, if realization is explicitly Determined to be a constitutional requirement, but hey, we can adjust.
1: By the way, a decision in this case probably won't come down until mid 2024.
2: Are you saying a decision will be realized in
1: 2024? (laughs) Uh, I'm realizing that I probably should have. (laughs) (laughs) This episode was produced by Cooper Katz McKim with engineering by Cena Lafredo and Josh Newell. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Hank and Cannon edits the show, and the Indicators to production of NPR. This is my voice. It can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on Black experiences. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths,
4: wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Each week, you'll get thoughtful, in-depth analysis of both the stock and the bond markets. Listen today and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts.